if you're going to buy anything from Amazon, go to southlandhardcore.com first. Got a sneaky feeling, Steve, some of our listeners have bought things off Amazon and not done that. So that's 5%. Why would they do that? Why would they want to give Amazon more money? Yeah, they gave Amazon 100% rather than giving them 95% and us 5 Well, in some cases, 90% and giving us 10 Imagine. Quick shout out to some of the people who did buy some stuff yeah, via southlandhardcore.com. I don't know any of your names. I don't know who you are. But someone bought an introduction to the philosophy of religion. Someone else bought Apocalypse of Pseudo-Methodius. And someone bought Water in the Shadows. Someone else bought a lampshade. And another person bought um, Without Me, Eminem. Nice. MP3. So we get 10% of that. Yeah. Well done, Eminem fan. So that's a few quid we've got in our pockets now, you know. Support the show. Click but on it, the Amazon. It is link literally a few quid. So, so let us have, yeah, uh, let's have a few, few quid, more. Three pounds. <laughs> Welcome to South Island Hardcore. I'm Joe McEnroy. This is Steve Walsh. Hello. The Cambridge to my Oxford. Who's won the most? You, you've done research here, haven't it? Uh, oh, Cambridge won the most. Yes! <laughs> uh, Subconsciously, and possibly even consciously, you're aware of my superiority. This week, two boats full of uh, privileged people <laughs> go up and down the Thames, <laughs> and one of them wins. So we thought we'd take this opportunity to... Both being huge rowing fans and, uh, you know, fans of posh people in boats, isn't it? Exactly. Just you always know. there on a bridge. No, there is a po- exactly, there is a positive side to it all. You know, London's bridges get on telly. So before we talk about them one by one. Before we get into that, Steve, let me just tell you something I did this week that's tangentially related. Uh, I've been working in the school uh, for 18 months, whatever it is, 20 months. And I've never been on a school trip, right, before this week. And, like, there was a load of rehearsals this week and um, some first day calls, loads of people were on. So they were just like, right, you're going to have to go to uh, the London Assembly, Mayor's Question Time. Oh, we can. <laughs> City Hall. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Couldn't believe my luck. So we took the school council and the eco-warriors there. And, like, me, the head teacher, and one other person. And, yeah, went into City Hall. Uh, Boris Johnson sitting there. with like. And you of, brought kids in? Yeah, yeah, there's loads so of kids So you taught there. these children how to heckle. The most important <laughs> lesson they're ever going to learn uh, when dealing with Boris Johnson. Exactly. No, I kept quiet. It's like a kind of horseshoe of like 22 assembly members sitting there. Yeah. And Boris Johnson sitting on his own. And then they ask him stuff. You know, you're aware of it. I am, yeah. But they put it on telly. On, on a related note, a uh, little South Island Hardcore shout out to anyone that went to the meeting in Lewisham that Boris Johnson turned up for and heckled him for two mm. hours, uh, forcing him to... Uh, react angrily, clearly getting under his skin, clearly annoying him. Brilliant work, well done, everyone. Yeah, City Hall, we've never really talked about, have we? Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's we'll a definitely significant get structure it. that we have to discuss. At yeah, we'll right definitely now. be getting there. I yeah. mean, it's, the reason I mention it is obviously because I went there, but it's kind of near a bridge, isn't it? Yeah, it was great. You know, like of all the trips to go to, like earlier in the week, the other person in the office had to go to some choir thing at Goldsmiths, like you know. <laughs> I landed on my feet, I think it's fair to say. I had my ears open for South London-related stuff. Right? Yeah, they mentioned in uh, Stockwell, there's a kind of public garden opening up. Like, kind of... I don't know, man. It was some kind of... It was a very, like, the, the thick of it. Right, yeah, It's just yeah. these silly little schemes. There was. He mentioned an edible bus stop in there. <laughs> no, he didn't. That was coming. He did. He said edible bus stop. <laughs> Are you swaying the context of an edible bus stop? I think it's like a bus stop where like, it's made of corn or something. No, they, they, you kind of grip behind the bus stop, there's like a flat space and they grow a load of stuff. It's like an, a, a public right. allotment type thing. It's and not like just going to kick not, turnips up. It's not a gingerbread it? bus stop and like you wait for your bus and an evil witch puts you in up. I don't know, that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? But yeah, we didn't stay for the whole two and a half hours. When they started talking about the uh, Sapphire unit, you know, the rape thing and stuff. Like, right. You know, Getting we did leave. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We did have a couple of five-year-olds with us. So. Yeah. We got there just as it was starting. Like, we were seconds late, yeah, because the head teacher stopped on the way going, that's the HMS Belfast. That's what this does. Does anyone know the Titanic? No, it's not the Titanic. <laughs> you know, like, Why did you say that, Jack? <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, you end up on these school trips, you end up stopping and the kids learn all this different stuff, you know. 
So we get there slightly late, right? It's a bit odd because there's loads of kids in there. I don't know if it's only certain days where they have kids in there. I mean, it must be. You'd have all the kids on one day. And yeah, there's like, every day. You'd get nothing done. There's like there. 45 kids from some school in Croydon. Yeah. And then there's a load of Lambeth College students. And then, you know, some... They did like they were doing, like, Boris Johnson was doing... Not Boris Johnson. The woman who was running it was doing, like, the chair or whatever, was doing shout-outs to people. And, you know, oh, right. like, we've got six people from the uh, Press Association students. And then this girl was doing, like, kind of... Whoop, whoop, whoop. Yeah, like, pushing up the ceiling. Like, five minutes ago, she was tightening us in the lift. You know I mean? <laughs> she was running late as well. Anyway, so we sit... We all sit down. And uh, I've got about four kids near me and the other adult is there and then the head teacher sitting on the next bit with about 20 kids yeah only because like we're kind of just shuffling into where there's space yeah so the head teacher kind of motions over that the kids need to take their hats off yeah like fair enough right all our kids have taken their coats off and stuff so we all had pat lunches right like the school provides a pat lunch in a paper bag right nice. so one kid had left hers one kid had dropped his because the bag had ripped yeah so i'm holding that and then other kids, when you enter City Hall, you go through like an airport security type thing. Yeah, yeah. And so one kid had just left hers in the in the plastic box <laughs> the and it's gone through. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm holding two lunches there. Yeah. So uh, so uh, one of the t- the teacher, the head teacher, motions over to someone to tell the kids to take their hat off. And then she's motions to me, and I tell the kids, I go to tell the kids to take hat off. And as I turn around, right, I drop an apple, a bottle of water, <laughs> like the room's silent, Steve, and a grated cheese sandwich. Just it just goes boom, booms all over the floor, right. <laughs> There's grated cheese all over the place. <laughs> and like the two kids next to It looks to like me. a dirty protest. <laughs> sitting next to these two girls, right, who are like year five, it's like ten years old, and they both just burst out laughing, yeah. And they're doing a thing where they're just like <laughs> Like they just can't control themselves. Like and it just took me back immediately to being a kid and when you start laughing in church saying. Yeah, yeah, and or, you're you know, gone. School, in it. And you just can't help yeah, it. Yeah. And they're both doing it and I'm doing the same thing and I'm just like, this is I'm gonna be so I'm trying to look over so the head teacher can see me. And they're just like, <laughs> oh, it's ridiculous. So I just like and, Cosmo. Creamer. And then I'm going to like sort of just push this cheese sandwich over so it's not in view. And like the two girls, they're just cracking up even more at that. <laughs> yeah, it's great fun. <laughs> we got a tour of City Hall coming up as well in May. So, which my name is down to go on that. Uh, is my name down to go on that? <laughs> turn up, Steve. Turn up. The thing is, I'm I'm probably shorter than most of the kids in your school, so I could probably sneak in. The beard yeah. might be an issue. He's your fine. <laughs> so yeah, we've got this tour coming up, but we did have a little look round on the kind of lower ground floor. There's a cafe. There's kind of an area where the kids were basically all our kids sat down and ate their lunch, ate their lunch. The floor is an aerial photograph of London. And it goes right out to Surrey and Kent and, um, I don't know, Hertfordshire, Middlesex, oh, whatever on the other side. Like, it goes right out. And um, so, like, you know, the River Thames is, say, half an inch wide. Oh, wow. So that's how big the yeah, map yeah. is. Um, so, but you can make out details. Yeah, so I found oh, the score immediately. Yeah. Like, I was, like, because I kind of I used to walk, you know, I've spent time looking yeah. at maps you know, yeah, for yeah. the show. Like, find... Um, Peck and Rye, and then like, oh look, there it is. Yeah. So all the kids are like, oh, you know, I tell the head teacher she's all over it. You know what I mean? Mister McEnroe's found the school. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so we, you know, we take a photo of kids pointing at the school on the map, wandering around, and this, and there's another school, and this teacher goes, uh, "Can you find White Hart Lane?" And I just went, "Oh look, there it is, there it is!" <laughs> and the teacher was just like, "Right, well, now we've got nothing to do." Like he just weren't, <laughs> happy, weren't happy at all. <laughs> I, was, I just got very excited. So. I like the idea that this guy, uh, who's in charge of uh, exciting young minds, went, oh, you found it. There's nothing else in London <laughs> to find. No- yeah. Nothing else. Are you sure? You don't want to try and find the Houses of Parliament or the Millennium? You don't want to find no, any other landmarks? Nothing no. else. All I always find was White Hart Lane. Hmm. So which end of the Thames are we going to start at, Steve? I think... I mean, the Thames are forever, isn't it? But... Yeah, this is it. We're going to... Well, also, one of the interesting things about doing this particular episode was it helped us to define the boundaries that we're dealing with in terms of what is South London. You know, we were talking before about doing an episode in Kew Gardens, but using our very simple but effective method of going south of the river with an S-postcode, it's out. Yeah. We have to stop at Chiswick Bridge. And in this case, start at Chiswick Bridge. I think the other advantage is starting at Chiswick Bridge and moving up to our finishing point, which would be Tower Bridge. Ah, oh, spoiler alert. <laughs> it's like, yeah, people don't know what Finishing at London is. Bridge. Um, is that, um, arguably, the bridges get more interesting as you go along? Definitely. Because, like, very... We certainly have happens. more of a personal connection to the Yeah, absolutely. Bridges. Like, we've, I've never been to Chiswick Bridge. It looks nice, you know. I'm sure it's effective. But, you know... 
the, the thing is that's most significant about it, and also makes it relevant to our, our reason for doing this week's show, is that it's the finishing point for the boat race. Next along the river is Barnsbridge. The most significant thing I could find about that was there's a widespread belief, and it's still boat race related, that whatever team is in the lead at Barnsbridge will win. Because it's, you know, right at the end. It's, it's a belief that at that point any lead is an unassailable uh, lead. The episode's going to get better, right? This is, this is the important thing to remember. <laughs> yeah, because there's nothing. Um, this is just bridges at the end of the day. Here's, a, here's something to bear in mind. Imagine if we started the other way. <laughs> you'd, be, you'd be sitting here an hour or so later going, unbelievable. <laughs> All they're telling me is about boat race finishes. It gets better. Barnsbridge is the furthest out we've been for the show, isn't it? Yes, yeah. We did an episode on Barnes. I mean, the thing is, we have visited. That is a particularly uh, nice bridge. We both uh, took time to admire that. Gorgeous. Yeah. Railway and uh, pedestrian together, isn't it? I thought it was just a railway bridge. No, it's uh, one of three that are railway and pedestrian together. Okay. Hammersmith Bridge is where the stories really begin, though. As far as I can tell, it's the bridge that's endured the most terrorist attacks in London. <laughs> Which seems odd, because, like... If you what what's the idea? If you incapacitate Hammersmith Bridge, no one's going to really notice in Central London, are they? When were these terrorist attacks? I saw this in a video on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to hazard a guess. <laughs> it's the world's most popular video sharing site. Surely it was that. I saw it on a video on YouTube. Yeah, they said there were four terrorist attacks. It was like a 45 second American um, documentary about Hammersmith Bridge. So I only read about three, but even no then, three still pretty. And where were they, man? The earliest one was in 1939. A, a man called Morris Childs was walking across the bridge and spotted a suitcase abandoned, apparently, on the bridge. So he went over and had a look, sort of see what was going on. Opened up and there's a, a, a bomb inside that's sparking away for itself. So he very quickly, and fair play to him, grabs a suitcase, chucks it into the river. Hits the Oxford team. <laughs> It explodes on impact with the river, sends a 60-foot column of water into the air. Wow. Yeah, so, well done, uh, Morris Charles. God knows what would have happened if, uh, yeah. Um, th- that was the IRA in 19... 19- it's the IRA all the way on this one. For some reason, they well, just... What year was that? That was 1939. Oh, right, they were still bombing stuff then. Not still, I mean, they were bombing stuff then. Yeah. I thought it was just like the 80s. Now, they had, they had issues before <laughs> 1980. 1996, there was a failed attempt to bomb Hammersmith Bridge. Um, large amount of Semtex left on the bridge. Um, in 2000, they managed to uh, cause an explosion on the bridge, and it causes the uh, bridge to be closed for two years for repairs. They weren't bombing in the 2000, the IRA. Uh, this is the real IRA. This is like a splinter group from oh, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, original yeah. IRA who'd committed the earlier attacks. When I was at school, right, I might have said this before. But, um, you know, I used to go to church a lot, Stephen, when I was yeah. a kid, like, five days a week. This kid said to me, you put in more... Never on Sunday. <laughs> All day on Sunday. <laughs> this kid said to me, you put in more hours than the real IRA. <laughs> Have you seen Roman Polanski's Repulsion? I haven't. It's got a scene where Catherine Deneuve walks over Hammersmith Bridge. Okay. You can just go on YouTube and put in Catherine Deneuve, Hammersmith Bridge, and that's just a pleasure watching her walk over it. <laughs> Come next to Putney Bridge. The origin, the supposed origin of uh, Putney Bridge, uh, fascinating me. Apparently, Robert Walpole, um, while Prime Minister, was coming back from visiting uh, the King in Kingston and was heading back. Is that what it's called, Kingston? Kingstown. Yeah, Kingstown, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. yeah, it's the royal borough of. Uh... Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. And uh, he needs to get across the river, but the ferryman's in the pub and won't come out. <laughs> he's just like having a pint he's like you'll have to wait and Royal Paul's like I'm Prime Minister I have affairs of state going with I'm, I'm halfway through a pint in the Plowman's there's no way I'm coming out now so Robert Walker apparently at that point vows that he will build a bridge at that point basically just to put this guy out of business which is uh, remarkable it's also the only bridge in Britain to have a church at both ends oh yeah I went over it once yeah? Yeah, it's good. But you going to churches? I was going to Fulham. Oh, right. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Tottenham, you know. Yeah, yeah. And you have to walk over it. You've got no option if you live over this side of the river. If you think we've struggled so far with material, <laughs> if I tell you that 
the the best quote I could find about Wandsworth Bridge is that it's the least noteworthy bridge in London. Hmm. It's remarkable, isn't it? Does um, that include bridges like over like railways and stuff? But there, uh, I thought there's one interesting aspect of its creation. It was built. Um, the current bridge was built in 1940, and to help it uh, to be camouflaged and protected from uh, air attacks, it was painted a, a succession of different shades of blue to camouflage it against the river and the, the sky. And uh, they didn't bother to repaint it after the war, so it's still got mm. the camouflage colours that it was given in 1940. Did they have like boats crashing into it? Yes, yes. The downsides. We're all right from uh, the Air Force. What about the Navy? They're crashing into us every two minutes. Battersea Bridge has an amazing story associated with it. One of uh, my favourite stories, actually. Um, its history as a bridge is not wonderful. It wasn't particularly well built. Um, it's on a funny angle of so It's a constant source of collisions with river traffic. But it's proved, for whatever reason, I don't remember the angle of it in the water, river, but it's, it's proved uh, inspirational to a number of artists, mm. Turner and Whistler in particular. And it is uh, a piece by Whistler that's set around Battersea Bridge um, that's got an incredible story related to it. That also involves uh, another significant South London figure in John Ruskin. Whistler did a series of paintings that he called Nocturnes, which were more sort of explorations of colour and impressionism rather than being, you know, very direct paintings off the scene in front of him. Um, and he did one set around Battersea Bridge called uh, Nocturne in Black and Gold or The Falling Rocket. And it was a scene of fireworks over Battersea Bridge. Um, so he uh, produced his painting. John Ruskin saw it in an exhibition and uh, said... The ill-educated conceit of the artist approaches the aspect of willful imposture. I have seen and heard much of cockney impudence before, but never expected to hear a coxcomb ask 200 guineas for flinging a pot of paint in the face of the public. Ooh. Yeah. Which is strong, I would argue. Yeah. It's a nice painting. But uh, also, firstly, Whistler's American. So John Rustin's going, Cockney impudence, you're the one from London, what are you talking about? Um, Whistler's not happy about this, so he sues John Ruskin for libel. Ooh. And they go to court. And they engage lawyers, they're cross-examined. There's a wonderful moment when Ruskin's lawyer uh, is cross-examining Whistler in the witness stand. And uh, he, he, says, uh, he says to Whistler, did it take long to paint it? How soon did you knock it up? Mm-hmm. And Whistler says, uh, well, I can usually uh, knock one of those out in about two days. Just sort of like plays along with the whole thing. And the guy goes, uh, two days? You ask, uh, you ask a man to pay 200 guineas for two days' work? And Whistler says, no, I asked 200 guineas for the knowledge I've accumulated over a lifetime. Oh, that's good. Nice, isn't it? He wins the case. Yeah. And is awarded one farthing in damages. Uh, yeah. Principle. Exactly, yeah. Next is the Albert Bridge, a.k.a. the Trembling Lady. Yeah, um, there's still a sign on it that warns uh, troops from Chelsea Barracks that if they march over the bridge, they have to break step. Because apparently if they march in step, it would just cause so much damage Hmm. um, to the bridge. Do you know one of the reasons they blame for the bridge having such weak infrastructure? No. Apparently, there's a theory that the timber structure has been affected by the number of dogs that have urinated on the way to Battersea Park. <laughs> well, and you're dogs, like, dogs home, isn't it? Yeah. But when the, the uh, when it was reopened recently, they sent a, two dogs over with the first people to cro- first people to cross <laughs> first uh, dogs to cross. <laughs> Called one dog called Prince and one called Albert. Yeah, Ugh. yeah. I'd like to think they got a lethal injection in there. <laughs> no, this is your last. This is your last go, boys. It does seem odd to sort of repair the bridge and go. Uh, what's caused this problem? <laughs> is this and immediately send over two dogs to uh, cause more problems? Yeah, it's the Albert Bridge. Next to it, you've got the Chelsea Bridge. I've added that. It's just Chelsea Bridge. It is Chelsea Bridge now. But it wasn't originally. Regent Bridge. 
That's the wrong one, isn't it? It is the wrong one. <laughs> Victoria Bridge. Victoria. Because I never understood why Albert got a bridge and Victoria didn't. But Victoria did. Victoria got a bridge. Albert got a bridge. But the Victoria Bridge had a similar problem to the Albert Bridge in that structurally it wasn't sound. Oh, so it's rebranded, wasn't it? They yeah. Were, she was like, they, they don't re- put my name no, on no, that. They, she, the Queen had nothing to, to do about it. The, there was concern that it would uh, disgrace the royal family <laughs> if a bridge called Victoria collapsed. They changed it to um, Chelsea Bridge. When it was being built, they uncovered a large number of Roman and Celtic weapons and skeletons at the site. And they believe that it's a possibility, because of the location of the ford there, that it was the actual spot that Caesar entered London. Do you know the 1941 Jazz Standard Chelsea Bridge? I don't. Are you going to sing it? Of course you are. No, because I listened to it earlier today, but there is there are words. But it was an instrumental I listened to. Okay. It was quite pleasant. It was written about um, the wrong bridge. The guy spotted, whoever it was, I can't remember his name now. He spotted Albert Bridge and he wrote a song about it called Chelsea Bridge. I mean, obviously, further down the river, there's a similar case of mistaken identity. Or is there? There's a nice bit where the bridge is rebuilt in 1937. And it's obviously um, at the time of the Great Depression. There's not a great deal of money around. So initially, this huge opposition to the bridge being rebuilt. The government was like, we're not going to get involved in any sort of funding. But they agreed to put money in on the basis that all the materials that are used are sourced from within the British Empire. Yeah, I read that. Yeah. But what, were they sourcing stuff from outside the British Empire? The whole world was... Yeah, exactly. I was like, definitely go to the British Empire. Where are you going (laughs) that isn't the British Empire? It's not a particularly attractive bridge, but apparently the belief was, when it was built, because of its proximity to Battersea Power Station, that dominates the area so much and dominates the view so much. They were like, it doesn't really matter what this bridge looks like. No one's looking mm. at the bridge, which is quite a refreshing sort of take on it. Just do a bridge. What about, don't worry about it. No one, look at that. Look at those chimneys. Just no one's looking the at this. Yeah. There was an um, incredible scene in October of 1970. I don't know if you heard about this. There was, in the 70s, it became a location for a number of road races between rival motorcycle gangs. I read that sentence. Yeah. yeah. You didn't read on? No, what's the details, man? Well, straight away, uh, the next detail you get is the name of the gangs. Go on. The Road Rats, the Nightingales, the Windsor Angels. They're the jokes of the whole thing, (laughs) imagine, isn't it? Maniacs on Wheels. The Jokers. uh, Not Maniacs on Wheels, unfortunately. Um, The race uh, gets a bit tasty. There's a, a huge scrap on the bridge. Um, police reports of motorcycle chains, flick knives, and at least one spiked flail. At least one. <laughs> Again, there might have been two. We don't know. They were just whirring round. Um, one man is uh, shot in the chest with a shotgun. He survives. But um, incredible scenes, isn't it? Yeah. Chelsea Bridge was originally painted red and white. But Chelsea fans, pensioners, fans of Chelsea Football Club complained that well, they wanted NF signs all over. <laughs> well, they they were upset they had their club's name on it with Arsenal colours. So they successfully petitioned for the bridge to be repainted blue and white. But I mean, you know, just knock it down. Man. It's, it's fine. If that's their attitude. Well, this is the thing. They want that that bridge to be a symbol of their club, and you know, it's structurally unsound and a history of violence. So uh, <laughs> it's all yours, lads. It's all yours. <laughs> Uh, bridge over trouble water. <laughs> Before we get to Vauxhall Bridge, there was a bridge during World War Two, Millbank Bridge, which was set up. By the sounds, of, it was tanks went back and forth over it. There were a few of these bridges. They set up as like temporary ones. Essentially, the idea was that they were worried that it was. Ba- I think the idea was basically to have spare bridges. They were like, yeah. these are definitely going to get bombed out, so we'll have some spare. It's like, ones the, like Vauxhall to- Bridge was like Jeff Bridges. <laughs> and Millbank Bridge was like bow bridges. You know I mean? If this gets bombed, it's fine. But yeah, they, we when can they, still have the big Lebowski. Yeah. <laughs> We're all good. It was dismantled and sent to the Zambezi in what was then yeah. northern Rhodesia, uh, where it was thrown up over that river, which you know, which means it's worthwhile, isn't it? Yeah, good recycling. Yeah, Vauxhall Bridge up next. I mean, we've done an episode on Vauxhall, so if you want to know about the surrounding area um, and particularly the Pleasure Garden, which is dictated the history of Pleasure Gardens, which has dictated the success of the bridge. When the Pleasure Garden was there, there was a purpose to the bridge. 
Now, you know, it operates in terms of traffic calming, but really there's no, you know, inherent need for there to be a bridge there. The bridge when it was first built as well was criticised for being a very starkly functional design. I mean, obviously up the river you had Chelsea Bridge that was designed to look plain because of the proximity of Battersea Battersea Station. The argument being with Battersea that there wasn't something that dominant nearby, so the bridge looked a little too bland. So in response to this, they commissioned... um, two artists to, to create a series of bronze statues to be affixed to the piers alongside either side of the bridge. So Alfred Drury and Frederick uh, Pomeroy. <laughs> Close, man. Not, who knows? Who knows? I could have met Owen Pomeroy could design a bridge. Couldn't he? Yeah. They, the subjects they've chosen to do statues for is basically uh, figures representing uh, creative art. So you've got, well, creative arts, human endeavour. Um, agriculture, architecture, engineering, pottery, science, fine arts. And at this point, you think they're petering out of it. Um, local government and education. <laughs> local government. Yeah. You know, fair play to the eyes to sort of went, I think I can sum up local government in a figure. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Figure. The other um, interesting point about statuary is that, um, of course, being placed on the actual uh, piers of the bridge itself, um, they're largely not visible from the bridge or uh, the banks. It's only really if you're on the river that you can make them. Yeah, out. I was going to say, I yeah. don't. It was a bad idea. <laughs> it's a bad. I mean, you know, no one gets to enjoy um, the local government statue. This is the thing with many of the bridges. You just all you're seeing is a road. Of course, yeah, yeah. Vauxhall Bridge could have been very, very different, though, Steve. And uh, I'll explain why, yeah, but let me go back to 1937 first, right? Take us back. My favourite committee ever, right? We all got one. Of all the committees. <laughs> I, know, I only heard about them today, but they've, they've immediately become my favourite ever committee. You're going to commission a statue on local government, aren't you? Put it in your house. Oh, much better. The Glass Age Development Committee. Do you know them? No. Right, set up by Pilkington, a glass uh, manufacturer, oh, okay. in 1937, to promote glass as a building material in the UK. Right, so they're like, what, 90 years ahead of their time, yeah? Yeah. Now it's all glass, isn't it? Yeah, The yeah. Glass Age Development Committee. We're in the Glass Age now. <laughs> we weren't then. Right, they commissioned loads of large-scale designs, and none were ever made. Including a glass bridge. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I'm, we're going to get there. 1955, they um, proposed demolishing the entire area of Soho and rebuilding it with glass. <laughs> Right, 1957, they said uh, St. Giles' Circus. So I'm trying to laugh, Steve, man. This is such a great committee. Um, but they, in 1957, they wanted to replace St. Giles' Circus with a 150-foot glass heliport. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, I'm going to come back to Vauxhall Bridge, yeah. Um, in 1971, they proposed an off... So they're going for, like... They're just. This is 34 years in, never got anything commissioned. I was going to say, also, let us know if any of these things have ever got built, because I don't feel that they did, did they? Um, in 1971, Sea City, an offshore glass city, uh, <laughs> uh, but to house 21,000 people off the coast of Great Yarmouth, accessible by hovercraft. <laughs> right, but in uh, 1963, they proposed, because like Vauxhall Bridge, you know, with a lot of these bridges, like throughout, there's always talk of like, you know, major changes. Yeah. 1963, they said Vauxhall Bridge should be replaced with a seven story glass building spanning the whole of the river called the Crystal Span, sort of influenced by the Crystal Palace. It'd have a shopping mall on there. It would house the modern art collection of the Tate, right? So the Tate Modern, 1937, so what's yeah, that? Yeah. 60 odd years before it was actually built. And I should have flats on it as well. Also, uh, you're also sort of saying, oh, they were going to build Tate Modern. They weren't. They were going to build a glass <laughs> building that spanned a river and then yeah. put uh, precious works of art in there. You sort of go, don't, <laughs> don't do that. Please don't do that. Uh, Remarkable. People on glass committees shouldn't uh, <laughs> build bridges. Probably a widely known fact, Steve, about the next bridge, Lambeth Bridge, is that it's painted the colour of the seats of the House of Lords. I never knew that. I didn't either. Until... Yeah, and because the the Houses of Parliament seats are green, as is Westminster Bridge. Yeah, I had no idea of that. 
Lambeth Bridge also features um, a couple of obelisks with pine cones on top as a decorative feature. There's a popular urban myth that they're not pine cones, they're actually pineapples. Put there as a tribute to John Tradesson, a man we spoke about on a previous episode, my Stockwell episode, um, who was a collector of curiosities, whose collection went on to form the core of what is now the Ashmolean Museum in Oxford, but was also um, an innovative gardener. Um, part of the location of his land is now the garden, is now the Museum of Garden History, which is uh, very close to Lambeth Bridge. Mm. Um, and the idea is that these are pineapples on top of the obelisks as a tribute to John Tesson, who was the first man in Britain to successfully grow pineapples. It's not his pine cones. But, yeah, it's a better story, isn't it? Let's, let's call them pineapples from now on. As you said, Westminster Bridge, green, to represent the seats in the House of Commons. Apparently, when it was built, it was required to link the West End with developing South London. Developing? I mean, you know, uh, this no, is... No, but we have established in the South Bank episode, there was no South Bank, was there? No, but still, you know, there's other things down there. Just developing. Like, we're in mud huts. (laughs) I would argue Westminster Bridge now... I mean, Tower Bridge aside with the obvious decorative aspect. But Westminster Bridge is almost the London Bridge. If you see shots of London... Yeah. It is the bridge that gets filmed the most. But not because of the bridge itself. It's a nice bridge. No, it's because the Houses of Parliament there. Well, the Houses of Parliament on one side... And on the other side, obviously, the Millennium Wheel. Yeah, the London Eye. That as well. <laughs> and that sort of location of things around the bridge made me think, have you ever heard of donutting as a thing in Parliament? Is it anything to do with uh, John Prescott? It's to do with uh, the televising of uh, parliamentary business. Um, and it's quite an interesting sort of uh, commentary on how the media affects things. Once they put cameras into Parliament, it became... People stopped bringing donuts in. <laughs> people realised that the public perception of certain people and certain ideas were going to be affected by how it looked on television. Mm. So it was suggested that they should donut people that they wanted to show support for. So the idea was, if someone's speaking and there's popular support for what they're going to be talking about, you make sure there's people sitting around them. Oh, right, yeah. So when they're on television. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. sometimes you see those clips and there's some guy from... Just there. Some outer, you know, yeah. some middle of nowhere, and he's just standing right at the back. You're like... Oh. And there's three people, none of whom are listening to him. They're just making notes you, about other things. Where will you commit to... Yeah, all right, mate. Just <laughs> pipe down. So, yeah, they'd make sure there would be sort of six people sitting directly around. So when the camera is on them, it looks like, oh, this guy, you know... Uh, He's got mates. <laughs> and it, it's almost like uh, Westminster Bridge is donutted, isn't it? It's sort of like they've built yeah. things around it so that it can't help but be this focal point for London. The end of The Prisoner, the great uh, Patrick McGowan TV series, he jumps on a 159 ruined it, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know. I won't tell you anything else about the end of it. Other, other things it. happen. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, if you think that was the best bit. But he jumps on a 159, didn't he, that go, then goes over Westminster Bridge, yeah. if I remember correctly. One of the great opening scenes of a British film. I say opening scenes, it's the second scene. But, you know, 28 <laughs> Days Later. Yeah, um, yeah. Cillian Murphy. He wakes up uh, from his coma. Uh, you know, the hospital's fallen into pieces, St. Thomas's Hospital. Then he goes out and to a deserted Westminster Bridge. And it's extraordinary. Say, uh, is, there a, is there a bus on its side? Yeah, there yeah, is in there. Yeah. yeah, then you get scenes there's just money blowing over the street and stuff. But it's absolutely deserted. Yeah. The way Danny Boyle did it was they sh- it was shot on digital, which is quite evident. I mean, it's uh, it's shot on quite low resolution digital, really. And they just stopped traffic. They just had like I think they might have even had pretty girls as like runners to just <laughs> stop traffic and just hold on for a minute at like five in the morning and they just shot it I think they might have had permission because you know what the bus on its side is not there because that would right. have been a nightmare wouldn't it the bus <laughs> on its side is uh, I think outside Horse Guards Parade if I remember rightly oh uh, okay yeah and they got the shot like uh, you know have you seen Vanilla Sky where Tom Cruise is running around Times Square and it's completely empty oh, right. but the thing is it's so different in America because the film industry is just like this behemoth and they yeah, yeah. pay for these things whereas some little digital film they just he actually uses ingenuity yeah. and yeah 
But I'll tell you what, though, with Westminster Bridge, if you point the camera in the direction of the Houses of Parliament, there's nothing. You, there's no places for humans to be, is there? Yeah. So yeah. suddenly, Smart. you don't have to block off you yeah, know, yeah. so much stuff. And next, you've got two footbridges: the Hungerford Bridge and the Golden Jubilee Bridge, both of which I've used a lot. They're both really great bridges, I think. Uh, like really nicely put together. There's a train going in the middle of them. I used Hungerford. It's uh, great in terms of basically if you you know work in central London, if you can get to Northumberland Avenue, it's just oh, it's just boom yeah, down Northumberland Avenue over there, and uh, yeah, then through the South Bank and yeah. like Waterloo Bridge. Though now we're talking, Steve. 1841. Samuel Gilbert Scott, an American daredevil. Daredevil, like as in uh, yeah. Evil Knievel. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's 1841, so his trick was to jump off of things, but for some reason he'd be trussed by his neck and ankles. Before his uh, accident on Waterloo Bridge, he nearly dies in Deptford. He's doing uh, an exhibition where uh, he jumps uh, off of something. The rope around his neck tightens and he starts to asphyxiate. Luckily, someone in the crowd realises, grabs um, the uh, rope around his feet and lifts him, which gives him time to release himself. A similar thing Doesn't happens. Doesn't lesson. No, yeah, goes straight over, not straight over, but goes to Waterloo Bridge, um, jumps off. And the problem, same problem as at Deptford, when he jumps off and the rope around his uh, neck tightens, the crowd assume it's part of the act. Yeah. The thing is, if you're watching someone who's put a noose around their neck, and then they're hanging from the noose. You go, that's what it's there for, isn't it? To hang from. I'm assuming he's got some sort of trick here. He didn't. He wasn't uh, the brightest. Um, Thomas Carlyle wrote about the incident to his brother. Described um, Samuel Gilbert Scott as uh, a wretched mortal that was wont to leap from top masts, bridges, etc. And do feats of that kind perished in a shocking manner here this week. One of his tricks was to act hanging. The noose slipped and he was found hanged in earnest. When I think of the mob looking at him, brutal animals. <laughs> and the still more brutal gentleman of the bridge committee encouraging him. It's a good point, isn't it? You know, there's no way you're allowed to do these things without someone going, you know, people get a bit carried away with the idea of uh, health and safety. You can't do anything. <laughs> but really, yeah. what you have to look at is there was a time when people were doing this. Mm. You need to regulate it and say you're not allowed to jump off a bridge with a noose around your neck. However well rehearsed you think you've got it. I don't know if it's as a result of this, but the bridge becomes notorious as a spot for suicides. Um, people just throwing themselves off to kill themselves. Um, Thanks for explaining what suicide is. <laughs> <laughs> In case anyone won't clear. <laughs> but rather than throw themselves off to uh, entertain bystanders. Yeah. Um, Thomas Hood, uh, a poet, writes a poem called The Bridge of Sighs about Waterloo Bridge and its uh, propensity for suicide, which becomes uh, the nickname um, for the bridge for a while. Also an inspiration to Monet and Constable. Did uh, a lot of paintings using that as uh, its centre. It's rebuilt, um, opens again in 1945, it's rebuilt during the Second World War, which is remarkable, mm. really, as a decision. Um, ironically... It's the only bridge that's damaged by bombing during the Second <laughs> World War. So you imagine they're sort of like, well, we've made a start. We've, we're that's, halfway that across. That is quite extraordinary. Incredible, isn't it? One bridge was, because uh... you'd imagine they'd go for it as well. It's a largely female workforce, of course, because the men are at war. Um, and for a while is known as the Ladies' Bridge because of uh, the women who built it. Yeah. Terry meets Julie. <laughs> I remember writing a story as a kid. Um, about, not about murder, but you know what I mean? Someone got killed in it. And it was with a poison-tipped umbrella. On my dad's kind of recommendation, was like, this is an interesting way for someone to die. <laughs> and sort of, I kind of was vaguely aware that it was a true story, but I didn't realise it was so recent. Tell us about it, Steve. 1978. Yeah, you were, you were alive. I was like, are you implicating me? <laughs> I've got an alibi. <laughs> I was nursing. <laughs> No, I was like three years old <laughs> talking about <laughs> um, 1978, uh, a Bulgarian dissident called uh, Georgi Markov is waiting at a bus stop on Waterloo Bridge. As he goes towards the bus, he feels a sharp pain in his leg and turns around to see a man picking up an umbrella that he's dropped and then scarping off. Thinks nothing of it, but throughout the rest of the day, the pain in his leg gets worse and worse. Eventually, 
um, his friends tell him to go and see a doctor, go see a doctor. They realise at this point he's been poisoned with ricin. And the theory was that the gentleman with the umbrella, gentleman, assassin, call, <laughs> call him what he is, murderer, um, used uh, yeah the tip of the umbrella to inject a pellet of ricin directly into the bloodstream, thus killing Georgi Markov. The assassin's name... Proper movie style, isn't it? What, what, what do you think the assassin's code name was? Go on. Piccadilly. <laughs> nice, isn't it? The man who was Piccadilly. Not, not nice. This is all real. A man <laughs> actually died. This is horrible. In living memory. More shocking than that, I would argue it's not even the most dramatic death associated with a London bridge in my lifetime. Are you talking about uh, the Thames Whale? <laughs> <laughs> I told you not to call me that. <laughs> Blackfriars Bridge wasn't originally called Blackfriars Bridge. Do you know what Blackfriars means, the name? What does it mean? Black Brothers. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. What was it originally called? William Pitt Bridge, named after the Prime Minister. The Younger? I'm not sure which one, but yeah, let's go with the Younger. Um, but its informal name from the location of a nearby uh, monastery became, you know, through usage, its actual name. Um, it's built in 1769 and replaced in 1869. It's not a very good bridge to start off with. They just basically have to knock it down and start again. In June 1982, Blackfriars Bridge is seen of one of the most dramatic moments in the history of London's bridges. Bridgegate. <laughs> in a way, yeah. There is a scandal involved. Um, the body of Roberto Calvi is discovered hanging underneath the bridge. He was an Italian banker who ran a bank that was basically found to be embezzling money, laundering money for the mafia, and using the Vatican Bank to transfer money out of Italy. Oh, this is the uh, basis of the Godfather 3, isn't it? Yeah, there's definitely, part, yeah. yeah, no, there's absolutely elements. I mean, it's almost like the perfect storm of, you just need a, a football club involved, and there is sort of a footballing link a bit later on. Wow. Um, yeah, it's a remarkable story of this bank's complete collapse due to the funds just being funneled out, as I say, on behalf of the Mafia, but through the Vatican Bank. So mm. it's just like criminality on a scale that you can't even mm. imagine. Roberto Calvi is the head of the bank, and as I say, is found hanging underneath Blackfriars Bridge with five bricks and £14,000 in three different currencies in his pockets. What? An autopsy reveals that it wasn't suicide. He was dead when he was hung from the bridge. Why would you hang, A, why would you hang him there in such a public place? You'll probably tell me the answer. B, what's with all the currency? The man owed money to the mafia. Oh, so it was a horse, horse's uh, head in the bed type thing. Well, also, but was also uh, a prominent member of a uh, Masonic Lodge in Italy called Lodge Pedue, which was outlawed in the 70s, but had become a haven for a number of shady characters. Basically, uh, it has... Uh, had as members some of the most prominent people in Italian society, including Massimo Moratti. Uh, well, Silvio Berlusconi, <laughs> right? Is, uh, yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> um, and apparently, uh, it was. I haven't just libelled Massimo Moratti, there, have I? I don't think he is a member, but who knows? <laughs> you probably have just libelled Massimo Moratti. Yeah. So this Masonic lodge is removed uh, from the official list of Masonic lodges in the seventies due to various corrupt practices, but. Essentially, the belief is that it was never really a Masonic Lodge. It was more established, and this is where you get into proper conspiracy theory uh, territory. It was more established as a potential shadow government in the case of an electoral victory for the Italian Communist Party. So the wow. idea was, if the Communists ever got invited to power, the uh, Lodge Pedue would immediately rise and just uh, uh, form a coup. They haven't had to, because obviously Berlusconi has, through various machinations, become Italian Prime Minister on a number of occasions. Um, but, um, yeah, uh, Roberto Calvi was a prominent member of this lodge. Obviously, upset the wrong people. So, you can look at the symbolic nature of the hanging. Uh, 
the hanged man, a very popular symbol in the tarot and Masonic uh, beliefs. Uh, the stones in his pockets immediately made me think of um, Montague Druitt in From Hell. Do you remember the, the patsy that the, the Masons set up and uh, they drown him? Yeah. And they put bricks in his pockets to wait, uh, to wait but he's already murdered before he goes in. Um, and there's also the Masonic element again, isn't it? Bricks, you know, there's obvious symbolism there. And with the money, I don't know about the specific amount. No, there probably is something known there. But there's, but there's also, I just think it, it's almost like they're going, we don't care about the money. This is not about money. This is no. not, this is beyond <laughs> yeah. being about money. Um, the, the, the final icing on this particularly macabre cake, the Masonic Lodge um, has an informal nickname. Do you know what it is? No. The Black Friars. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's true, yeah? Yep. Wow. Perfect. <laughs> the perfect murder. <laughs> well, it is the perfect murder because um, people have stood trial for it, but no one's actually been convicted up to now. Also, um, he had a million pound life insurance policy that um, his family had to wait about 20 years to pay out because the insurance company were like, we're not sure if this is murder. <laughs> if I'm like, you think it's suicide? Everyone said it's not suicide. Yeah. And the um, insurance company's like, we're not. We're going to hold off yeah. until we it's official. Yeah. Um, uh, by the time they do pay out, uh, the million pounds uh, bequest is halved just through legal costs, essentially. So, hard oh, to follow that, isn't it? <laughs> we're just going to have a little commercial break. <laughs> Get the t-shirt. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> That's the laziest advert ever. <laughs> so go to break. Uh, get a t-shirt. Anyway, yeah. we're back. We're back. Uh, after a few years of works, Blackfriars Bridge has finally reopened, and now there are in- entrances either side of the Thames, and you've got this glass—not quite a crystal span—but you've got this glass. Uh, structure which is so the railway platform is all the way over the bridge so oh, essentially okay. the station is on the bridge oh right have I've seen I haven't been in but I have seen it I think you pointed out actually mm. we were walking past at one point yeah yeah, yeah it looks incredible yeah it? it looks yeah. great yeah and it's a great idea I think it's a real good utilisation of space and also it makes it a lot more accessible as well but you know Steve you're always looking for uh, it gives me quite a thrill Steve when you come to the podcast with these links and threads that you know psychodrography essentially and I'll put this probably isn't, yeah, but I don't know, man. You might be impressed, you might not. <laughs> as far as I can tell, the only area in London where an area spans on both sides of the Thames, yeah, so where you've got a name of an area is both sides, is Blackfriars. Yeah, right. Yeah. Blackfriars really is on the other side of the river. Absolutely, it's, it's the site of the monastery originally. Yeah, up to like Ludgate Circus and that. But Blackfriars Road goes all the way to Elephant. And it's not Blackfriars Bridge Road, like, you know, Westminster Bridge Road. It's Blackfriars Road. So if you said, like, I used to say my school was in Blackfriars. That was on this side of the river. So somehow Blackfriars has managed to come sort of from the one side of the river to the to other. Across the bridge. Yeah. yeah. Which no other area has done, no, I don't yeah. think. And it's kind of fitting that the station now has done the same thing. Where the station is sort of, a train station is now on both sides of the river. Yeah. That is remarkable. We did talk about the Millennium Bridge on our Tate Modern episode. One of our better episodes, you might say, Steve. We clashed. We talked about the wobble. We talked about the curse of the Millennium structures. So go back and listen to that. I don't even want to cover this. We talked about the wobble. And really all I'm bringing into it now is the phrase lateral sway, which is uh, the technical term for uh, the wobble that we talked about. We're we're improving. That's the thing, isn't it? We're bringing in more uh, informed uh, words. Southern Bridge is next. And... I was not surprised to read that it is the least used of all the bridges. No buses go over it. Yeah. They probably do, right? But I've never been on a bus that goes over it. Like, I've lived in Southwark almost my whole life, and I must have gone over Southwark Bridge about twice. It's just so pointless, isn't it? Informally known as uh, Car Park Bridge, because uh, coach drivers will routinely just park on it, knowing <laughs> they're not in anyone's way, are they? No one's going to try and uh, get across. I mean, I think it was built to alleviate traffic from London Bridge yeah so I mean, I'm sure it is doing the job it's better having a bridge there than not having a bridge but <laughs> it's just such a nothing bridge isn't it well featured in a couple of uh... it's got the horrible Southwark colours as well green and yellow mm. like what a terrible colour scheme who, <laughs> who picked that 
featured in a couple of um, Dickens novels, uh, Little Dorrit and Our Mutual Friend. I mean, that's not enough to, you know, you don't need to grade two protected status, do you? You don't sort of like, put a plaque on it. Dickens All Britons have grade two protected status, don't they? <laughs> Stop mentioning it, Wikipedia. <laughs> Another bridge that has a Dickens connection, London Bridge. But it's quite a tenuous Dickens uh, connection. For a while on London Bridge, they had a plaque up uh, that explained, uh, that mentioned the murder of Nancy, uh, the character in Oliver Twist, in the novel by Charles Dickens. And they, you know, commissioned a plaque, put it up, and you, know, you could see the steps where Nancy was murdered was in the novel uh, Oliver Twist by Charles Dickens. No, no, Nancy was murdered in the film Oliver. <laughs> but not actually in the ah, novel ah. she dies in her house oh no so they've had to yeah. take it they, they've taken it down you know now. what as you, as you started saying it I was thinking yeah because oh, I remember crying when I yeah, watched it yeah but you've, then... you've, you've seen it you've not read it <laughs> they've just taken the black they haven't tried to amend it yeah. they haven't sort of gone in the film because I think then they have to put a black out and go in the film Oliver exclamation mark and you're like it's, <laughs> yeah. a, it's a murder you yeah. can't really refer directly uh, to the murder with an exclamation mark I mean London Bridge is you know, it's the London Bridge, isn't it? I mean, you know, it looks like there's been about 20 of them from the sound of things. You're mm. just reading it going, uh, you know, AD 50, Yeah, the Romans build a bridge. But it sounds like at one point it was just that and then Kingston Bridge for yeah, 600 yeah. years. <laughs> we don't need any more. No one's Where are we no coming to Kingston on London Bridge? <laughs> I'm swimming over. <laughs> um, yeah, London Bridge, I mean... There is a song, London Bridge is Falling Down, and that's its history, isn't it? It's mm. just essentially destroyed and rebuilt over and over. As I say, uh, the first, the earliest uh, recorded bridge, AD, AD 50, the Romans built one, it falls into disrepair. Um, it's allowed uh, to collapse because during the Saxon period, it ba- the Thames at this point just forms a barrier between two warring tribes. Eventually... Uh, with the threat of the Danish invasion, uh, Ethelred the Unready orders uh, the bridge to be re- rebuilt so that he can control troop movements a bit more. Um, it's built again in 1066. William the Conqueror's like, you know, let's make a mark, build a bridge. It's destroyed in 1091 by a tornado. I mean, this bridge has no luck whatsoever. Um, it's rebuilt. It's destroyed again in 1136 by a fire. Um, it's built again in 1163. This is the last time they build it with timber because of, you know, fires and tornadoes. In 1176, Henry II orders the bridge to be rebuilt as a memorial to Thomas Beckett, whose murder he kind of ordered. <laughs> so we get a stone bridge as a memorial to uh, Thomas Beckett. It's completed 33 years later in the reign of King John. So... Uh, it's quite a project that he's put together. He obviously felt really sorry for going. Yeah. Um, at various points, there were, you know, obviously famously buildings on London Bridge, mm. houses and shops. Up to 200 buildings at one point. And this is interesting. Even when a bridge is built of uh, stone, they build, obviously, wooden buildings on top of it. So there's still loads of fires. There's a horrible tradition for um, a long time of... Heads on spikes. On the southern side of the bridge as well, which is a bit off, isn't it? It's sort of like, you know, stick it over that side. Do you want to hazard the guess at the first head on the spike that's put on London Bridge? Charles the... William Wallace. Charles the William Wallace. <laughs> um, no, well, it, it's got it. Uh, Blade, 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 Blade Park, yeah. I was going to say Blade Runner. <laughs> <laughs> Harrison Ford. <laughs> um, they stopped the practice in 1660 with... Uh, the accession of, uh, the, well, the restoration of uh, Charles II to the throne. Uh, I know you hate this, Steve, but it's time to debunk a myth, isn't it? <sighs> I'm making you do it. Can we not bunk a myth? <laughs> Rebunk. I've bunked some myths in this episode already, and it? so it's fine. Myth bunker. That would be uh, my uh, new TV show. Podcast. <laughs> At myth bunker. I'm going to go and just quickly get it now before someone gets it. It's gone. No one's got it. No one wants Myth Bunker. It sounds like a a show that uh, 
Jack Donner he would commission on 30 Rock to try and sink the channel in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You bugging the myths, Steve <laughs> Should we just forget about it to do a show called Myth Bunker? 1967. They're rebuilding. Summer of Love. Yeah. But, uh... There's work to be done. <laughs> <laughs> we built so many bridges that day. <laughs> um, yeah, ninety six seven. A new bridge is required. A quite enterprising member um, of Parliament decides that rather than just scrapping the bridge, sell it. Flog it, yeah. You know, sell it. World famous bridge. Yeah, you know, it's London Bridge. Who wouldn't buy London Bridge? Um, they get a buyer... Robert P. McCulloch. From uh, Lake Havasu City in Arizona. Arizona, yeah. So, they go, if you want it, you can have it. He's like, I definitely want it. They... <laughs> Not you can have it. I'm <laughs> yeah, you, you, you're going to pay. Um, the bridge is uh, deconstructed, piece by piece, labelled, sent over to Arizona, and then rebuilt across um, a river in Arizona. Yeah, he, he paid $2.5 million for the bridge, right? Yeah. And it cost another seven million dollars for us to reassemble it. Of course it did. You put yeah, it on yeah. a boat and <laughs> yeah. you know, then getting a load of Mexicans to put it up. Do you know how much your shipping costs are gonna be for a bridge? It is you know you've you've probably ordered t shirts from the States before, haven't it? It's uh, it's not Taking cheap. Taking at five bricks over at a time in your pockets. <laughs> yeah, the popular myth is that he thought he was buying Tower Bridge and was uh shocked to discover it was a simple stone structure that he was gonna be erecting. But um, everyone involved with the story has denied this. Yeah, and it's a lot more recent than, you know, when it kind of was a myth. A bit like with the guy with the umbrella whacking yeah. his leg. Yeah. You know, it, I imagine that was in the 40s. Right? Yeah, yeah. And I imagine this was like in the 20s. I didn't realise until the other day that it was in 1968, 67. So, yeah, you can go. I'd be fascinated to go to. I mean, I tend to go to Arizona at some point because my uncle lives in Tucson. I was going to say you've got family, Yeah, my uncle lives in Tucson. And there's other stuff. also in Tucson. One of the Moon guys has got um, uh, an art studio. So, no, but like you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, no, pop uh, over there. Yeah, but definitely go and see London Bridge as well. Not an Apollo astronaut. One of the Moon guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which one is it? Man? I don't. Oh, um, if it's the, is it Mike Collins? I think it's Mike Collins because he's the guy who paints, isn't he? he yeah, paints, yeah, he paints. He's got yeah, his gallery he and moonscapes. Yeah, it's a remarkable uh, it's a, um, tiny segue, but well worthwhile. Um, We've talked about the book before, I'm sure. Moon dust, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, it, you know, it is a thing where you're just struck by these people are entirely transformed by the experience, aren't they? Mike Collins mm. goes, you know, all these guys are Air Force guys who become astronauts. They're, they're, you know, tough, you know, uncompromising, you know, very focused guys. Mike Collins goes into uh, space as an astronaut and comes back an artist. He's so struck by the beauty of the universe, that he spends the rest of his life just trying to capture in paint what he's seen. Remarkable. There is, though, a confusion about the bridges. I say confusion, I mean, an ignorance. Yeah, yeah. Um, so regardless of whether he thought he was buying Tower Bridge, you still got, say, um, you know, Fergie from uh, Black Eyed Peas. She had a song, I'm going to go down like London, London Bridge. And in the videos, like Tower Bridge just going up and down. <laughs> it's not a Tower Bridge going up and down like, uh, like Dr. Dre's car. <laughs> but, you know, and Lakeisha said um, that Fergie was like, yeah, no, that's not the right bridge. But in America, we... I think it's just one of those things where it's just like, no, we're going to call it this. You know, when people yeah, are just like, yeah. no, I'm going to correct it because you're wrong. And it is the this thing shouldn't where... Be, this should be called London Bridge. <laughs> yeah, but it's not. But it is the thing where London Bridge is quite functional. I mean, Tower Bridge, which we'll talk about in a second, is so overly ornate, possibly, isn't it? I mean... Yeah, oh yeah. How did that not get bombed? Yeah. How hit that one. Know? How do you not hit that one? You're probably going to crash into it if you don't lift your nose. It is ornate, Steve. Tower Bridge and... It's fitting that it is ornate. I mean, it was built to be ornate, and you'll, say, you'll tell us about it in a minute. But the fact that it is sort of the first bridge, you know yeah. what I mean? If you were kind of coming down the Thames, you know, yeah. just like, oh, I'm just all oh, what's London like. Imagine you come across that, you'd be like, wow. Imagine how good it's going to be when I get to Chiswick. <laughs> <laughs> Originally, uh, greenish blue when it was first built, but repainted red, white and blue in 1977 for the Jubilee. Which seems a shame. I imagine. Yeah, I imagine. I read that. A lot nicer. A lot nicer. Yeah. 
it's a drawbridge, obviously. I mean, people, there's no one listening who doesn't know what Tower Bridge is. Yeah, yeah, of course. But I was quite surprised to hear it still opens a thousand times a year, roughly. Yeah. It's like three times a day. Yeah, you have to give 24 hours notice, or, you know, give to, you know, get 24 hours notice that, you know, it's going to be uh, required. How long does it take to open and close? I don't know, but there have been incidents. In December 1952, a number 78 double-decker bus is going across Tower Bridge. A relief watchman on the bridge, not giving signals properly. So uh, the bridge starts to raise while the bus is going across. Fortunately, Albert Gunton, quick-thinking bus driver, (laughs) makes the split-second decision to accelerate. (laughs) Clears a three-foot gap. In a double-decker bus in 1952. Wow. So this is not even... It's not like some souped-up modern bus. <laughs> it's not like the buses they have now. <laughs> yeah. they jump over not, not like these turbocharged buses <laughs> that you go, yeah, you've got your fuel injection. <laughs> Definitely go for it. Albert Gunton. Clears a three-foot gap and faces a six-foot drop on the other side. No injuries, no casualties. Remarkable, isn't it? it is, well yeah. done, Albert Gunton. That's something from an Ealing comedy, though, isn't it? Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> in April 1968, Flight Lieutenant Alan Pollock was upset. Yeah, this that, is great, isn't yeah. it? It was the 50th anniversary of RAF. And, uh, yeah, there was outrage that, you know, the so celebrations... There was no fly pass, there was no... Yeah, it was, uh, the celebrations were quite muted, was the plan. Yeah. It? But Alan Pollock is having this. So he um, goes up in a Hawker Hunter jet fighter... And uh, flies under Tower Bridge. He's uh, dishonourably discharged from the <laughs> RF. <laughs> so, uh, that's... No, but he was exonerated um, about 15 years later, wasn't he? Well, in fact, <laughs> it was a mistake of identity. <laughs> no, because what it was is he was just, there was, he wasn't fairly tried. They were just like, get out. <laughs> Give us the keys. Yeah, like, get out. Yeah, and he probably just went fair enough. A more tragic fly past in 1973, Paul Martin in a Beagle Pup, a uh, single engine uh, plane, flies under the bridge a couple of times um, and then buzzes a couple of buildings in the city before uh, crashing his plane to a field and killing himself. He'd lost a lot of money. Oh. Yeah. And this is the thing that you do get people who. Well, you might as well go out with a. Yeah, or just get another job in it. Or just, I mean, just, <laughs> just accept that you haven't got as much money as you once had. It's, these people who sort of go, uh, I haven't got as much money as I once had, I'll probably kill myself. You know, Steve, I was talking about my favourite committee earlier. I do remember. You know, after, after, You're not going to change your answer, right? Well, the hot sauce committee is just... <laughs> but, you know, uh, the committee that formed in 1876 that sort of sorted out Tower Bridge? Do you know what they were called? No. The Special Bridge or Subway Committee. <laughs> you got options. But yeah, public competition, wasn't it? To... Oh, to, yeah, for the... Yeah. To design it. But, I mean, that suggests it's like an eight-year-old who's uh, just scribbled out the, uh, the Tower of London, but on a bridge. But I imagine it was an architect, wasn't it, or something? Well... Engineer. It's not a universally popular structure, of course. Um, Frank Brangwin described it or said, a more absurd structure was never thrown across a strategic river. Which is... Which... Well, he's not heard about the Crystal Span, has he? <laughs> well, I guess that never was, was it? Also, interesting just phrase, strategic river. You know, yeah. okay. Just say river. <laughs> yeah. Well, that chalk fault that fell in Shewers Hill was strategic. <laughs> There's one more significant... Uh, Unfortunate bridge opening to talk about. It's a great one, though. Uh, May 1997. Uh, Bill Clinton is in London. Um, his motorcade goes across the bridge. And the bridge opens while they're halfway across. So the motorcade split in half. The Secret Service are up in arms. Of course they are. Yeah. The president just starts shooting at random. <laughs> um, a great quote, though, from the bridge operators where they said... Uh, we rang the American embassy, but they didn't want to listen. <laughs> <laughs> do, do listen. Yeah. Hi, the American embassy. Yep, we're the American embassy. Uh, okay, uh, we're going to be open. We haven't got time for this. We've got a bill clearing yeah. Okay, but this is related to... Yeah, okay, just can you... Yeah. The bridge... Oh, I've got to go. I've got to go. It never really occurred to me uh, that the walkways might be in use, you know, up the top. 
um, until that apprentice episode where they had one each and they had to do a party each. So one of them, you know, you're facing the prestigious Docklands, you've got, uh, you know, selling it, you've yeah. got um, Canary Wolf, yeah. blah, 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 you know, and the other one you're facing, you know, you can see the Houses of Parliament and they had to do like a party on They that. won, didn't they? I'm sure I haven't seen the episodes. Well, the ones doing the, uh, with... Uh, the London. ones facing Parliament win, yeah, the ones that can sort of see... I can't remember, the trouble is it might have been idiots. If you look this team. way, you can see a big office building, what's over there, everything else, all the other things. So, yeah, it's well fancy up there. Yeah. And they, they were open, reopened fairly recently, right? Did you know they were open to the public originally? And they had to be closed in 1910 because people were taking prostitutes up there. Oh, come on. Don't ruin it for everyone. Isn't that incredible? Like, people taking a prostitute up there. <laughs> Lots of stuff on Bridges this week on southlondonhardcore.com. I'm hoping to persuade Steve to put the music video I made, uh, Eat More Cake, Smoke and Mirrors, which starts off on London Bridge. Not only am I not putting that up, I want that taken out of the... Uh... <laughs> Removed from YouTube. Well, you've already sent me um, a Pathé clip. Uh, and anyone who's visited the website will know I'll put up a Pathé clip for any reason whatsoever mm. in it. Particularly if it's got, um, you know, a voiceover with a plummy man using uh, some wonderful phrasing. And it has. Mm. 